0: They're
1: looking for, they win. Ignore them, you win.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Creative Community Podcast where we discuss the intersection between the arts and Israel. I am Ari Engel, the director of Creative Community for Peace, and today's guest on the podcast. Is an actress, artist, public speaker, and activist. She's starred in television shows such as Arab Labor. She has played Eliza Doolittle in the Israeli opera production of My Fair Lady. She's represented Israel at the Eurovision contest. She's released countless albums, EPs, and singles. And she's even been awarded a Peace Prize for her work to bring Jews and Arabs together. We are very excited today to have the legendary Mira Wad on the Creative Community podcast. Mira, how are you holding up over there?
2: Wow. Feeling amazing that I was just called legendary.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that. So not to talk too much about COVID, but, you know, how how have you been dealing with the craziness and is is things opening up finally over there?
2: Well, we're starting to come out of quarantine and um, things are starting to function again. Uh, Now they said that we can start maybe uh, having concerts or events uh, with a lot of regulations and a lot of limits. But uh, maybe mid-June, things are going to start happening again you know how it is though it's gonna take some time until things are rescheduled and scheduled and whatever and so we'll have to be patient yeah i try to fill my time with a lot of things that i've been wanting to do for a long time and trying to take it easy it's not always easy
0: were you working Um, on your music during your quarantine time or writing things or what what were you working on
2: yeah, so the thing is that I had started releasing new songs from a new album when the year turned. So in January I released the first song of my new album called Human Woman. Uh, it's a double album and I I was planning to use all this year, you know, I was the plan was to release a song a month, which is very it was a it was crazy schedule, but we were doing it and then COVID, you know, and then coronavirus hit. So I stopped everything. And I sat at home because there was no point in promoting anything new when you couldn't schedule any events or any concerts or any launches. And so I stopped it and I was, you know, waiting to see what's happening. And then it took longer than I thought. So it, it wasn't easy. I, I really, my mood, my mood went up and down until some point when I said, okay, let's just make music. And I put the album aside, but started doing producing new stuff with, you know, the spirit of the period of time. So I did these songs where I had asked. It's going to be a
0: triple album.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Maybe eventually. Like I asked my guitarist, uh, Shai, alone to send me some tracks, you know, just send me some tracks over. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but once he did, I sat down on my, you know, my computer here and I started humming some melodies. So I kind of created songs for the, for the time of Corona and I called it uh, Corona Studios Present, you mm-hmm. know, and started releasing stuff to my YouTube and Facebook and Instagram uh, just to keep the spirits up for myself, first of all, and second of all, for followers who are, you know, who are missing the music and missing events and missing concerts. Um, So yeah, so I kind of filled my time with this, uh, my own, you know, (laughs) self-production.
0: I mean, it's, you know, for major label artists, they're obviously, if you're Drake or The Weeknd, you can put out an album and it doesn't make a difference. But for indie artists, you know, you really have to be out there working and playing shows. So it's pretty frustrating to have everything lined up and then take a break, I'm assuming. But it's obviously smart because you don't want to just also put it out there and be lost in the wind all of a sudden.
2: That's it. That's it. That that was a major dilemma for me because on one hand I had all this material that is ready to go. Also with video clips because my thing was to to release a song and a video clip every month, which is crazy. Um, And I had prepared all this lovely material and it was timed perfectly. You know, I had this song for Women's Day to release in March because March 8th and and I had like a a thing going on for the whole year and then it had to stop and it was a huge dilemma, but yeah, like you said, we cannot really afford to promote music. first of all, promoting music costs money
1: yeah
2: uh, and uh, so it doesn't make sense to pr- to put all your uh you know energy and time and money on something that is not gonna be not gonna bring anything back to you and yeah, it was a big dilemma. Uh, to decide that decision, but I'm happy with it. There was no other way to go, I think. And now I'm gonna um, start and pick things up. Yeah. Uh, as you can see, I manage myself, which is another uh, another blessing, but another challenge. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a one one man team <laughs> going yeah. on here. Um, so now um, uh, I was just talking today to the online marketing team and to PR people to start and see how we're gonna. Uh, go back and tra- on track, maybe in June, maybe July, uh, hoping for
0: the best. And for indie artists, it's a whole, there's exactly as you laid out, there's all sorts of other things at play. Being your own manager to your own publicist, to your own social media <laughs> person. So it's, exactly, if you're, everybody's locked down, it's tough to, to try and do all of that. So you were born in Rame, right? Is that the, how you pronounce it properly? That is, that a, is. A that is. Village, right, in the Galilee. Yes. What was it like that growing is. up there?
2: Um, so Rame is a, is where my father was born before me and his father for him so it's uh, we've been there for generations and yeah like you said it's a Palestinian village in the north of Israel in the Galilee um, uh, I grew up in a mixed family which means my, my dad he studied uh, medicine in Bulgaria and he met my mother there so she's Bulgarian Christian Bulgarian and she came back with him and uh, so we grew up in a bilingual trilingual house um,
0: so English and- so English Arabic Bulgarian
2: let me start from the beginning so the <laughs> first language I ever spoke was Bulgarian because wow. my mom yeah because they spoke Bulgarian at the house since my mom did not know Arabic nor Hebrew yet yeah and then um, they put me in a Hebrew speaking kindergarten so my second language actually is Hebrew okay. Yeah. And uh, it defies the natural order. Right. And right. then we and then they put me in Arabic speaking schools and I had to pick up Arabic. So at, by the age of five, I spoke three languages. English came much later.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, Your English is perfect. You, you, Thanks. You've been speaking English since you were a little kid. I mean, obviously you have a little bit of an accent, but it sounds like I mean, I speak to many Israelis who right. have probably been studying English their whole lives since you know they were born and they, they don't have um speak as well as you do so yeah so naturally i have different an different accent languages my though. I, so four different languages that's amazing oh uh,
2: yeah now i'm working on my italian
0: okay i love it i love it um so i was actually supposed to be in italy this these two i actually booked my trip to go to italy a week or two before the corona hit and uh they locked down italy so that didn't happen
2: yeah, it's very sad what's going on in Italy. I'm really hoping for the best. Yeah. I have so many friends there. I worked so much in Italy, and I have like a lot of colleagues. Always worried for them.
0: Yeah, it's a it's an absolutely beautiful country. So, what were your earliest musical influences? What were was it your mom and your dad playing stuff at home, or was it like a sibling? Where did you I, get your musical influences from?
2: So, both my parents and both my brothers they have really good great musical hearing so they have like they they're to- and they have beautiful voices but no one ever took that in as a as a serious thing so everybody can sing everybody can hear music well but uh i'm the only one from the household who uh, kind of went there I do have, I did have an uncle, my Bulgarian uncle. My mother's brother used to play trumpet, guitar, piano. So he was very musical. Um, but the influences it just happened. You know, I, I sang from a very early age. My mom would, would swear to you that I sang before I spoke.
1: Yeah.
2: That I, I, I was born singing. And then she was actually the one to push me to start performing. I started performing at the age of nine. Wow. Now she, she wasn't one of those pushy parents or anything. And not that we had too many platforms in that little village of mine, yeah. but any occasion that, that happened in the village, they put the little girl to wow. Um So she kind of detected the talent.
0: So you were star in your village at the age of nine.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, star, I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah but I started singing like, from a really early age, showing signs of being a musician, yeah. my dad was really against me taking it as a profession. Okay, he was hoping that I would become a doctor, like like, like
0: all good parents, right?
2: Yes, exactly. Especially that I was I was good I was good at school. I loved sciences. I loved chemistry and biochemistry and biology. And he was hoping, he was really crossing his fingers, that I would continue his uh, path. But uh, music stole me away.
0: I so mean, my influences is you know, as, as, something that you just are born with It seems like when I talk to artists Like true artists It's usually something they're just born with And they have to do Something that's in them They have to sing, or act Or whatever it may be
2: It's yeah It's even against your better
0: judgment <laughs> It is. It is. Honestly, you know my, That's the craziness of it right It's Exactly like You have to do it It's just not like Real yeah. art is just something you have to do
2: It's almost compulsive uh, Yeah
0: yeah. yeah so what were your musical influences then was it bulgarian artists american western artists was it you know uh, israeli artists
2: you guessed it it's all guess- the above i mean my mom brought the Bul- bulgarian folk music into the house my dad brought arabic music into the house like wadi Safi and fayruz and and they both liked all kinds of other music so we we heard folk, uh, American, We've, we heard um, pop and um, the TV was on. So I heard the Israeli music, you know, in Hebrew, uh, we heard the classical music. We had an appreciation my parents had an appreciation for classical music. So, so I was exposed to so many things uh, in a very early age. My big brother um, exposed me to Pink Floyd and I fell in love with progressive rock very early in life. Uh, and later had a rock band so so all these influences are there uh, at some point I discovered uh, Latin music and that was a big influence suddenly all these rhythms and all these vibes you know. so and then I studied at Ramon school which is for jazz and modern music so everything kind of went into the pot yeah, and uh, till today, I, I still discover new sounds and new instruments and new, you know, musical effects that, that can go into the work. And I, I, I never decided on a genre, and I don't want to ever decide on a genre. I mean, eventually, things have this, uh, this way of, of being in the same area because I'm one person. Um, but I never want to stay doing the same stuff I I, want to explore and I want to experiment so and I do Uh, I want to stay playful I think one thing in life I want I wish for myself and that's to stay uh, like a little child to stay playful and, and and keep enjoying the making of the music and the performing of the music and that's and that means not to turn it into something more of the same but yeah. to keep it fresh and keep and
0: it happening and that's the beauty of music that you can explore different sounds there's no boundaries when it comes to music
1: yeah. which, is,
0: which kind of goes back to what we're talking about where art you know something in you to create is to have like these limitless bounds you know as opposed to uh, you know more of a corporate profession or being a doctor yeah. and you do this one thing yeah. um wh- what made you decide to go to ramon and did you get a lot out of it i know i know a lot of people here go to music school And then it's almost like limits their creativity and other people Mm -hmm. go there and it helps them just like refine their creativity. How did you find that?
2: Well, again, it's very complex. It was complex. First of all, uh, a little anecdote. I was their first Arab student. No way. Yes, I was their first Arabic speaking student. So they did not know really how to digest that.
0: What year was that?
2: That was uh, 96. Wow. I want to say I want to say you were the
0: first Arab student and what did you do to, yeah. to get in did you have to audition or of
2: course of course you do these two days of exams one is a like theoretical which i knew nothing because i never had a musical uh, education yeah uh so i couldn't write like notes and whatever and the second day was a practical exam where you perform Uh, You actually perform uh, with something and then they check your hearing. So you sit with a teacher in front of a piano. They play stuff. They want you to repeat it or whatever. Like they check how how talented musically you are. And I think I got accepted like based on that exam because the other one, I just...
1: didn't go (laughs) out.
2: Nothing. I did nothing. It was a blank paper. And I was like, when I went out, I was sure they're not going to take me. So but I already had like I brought I, I performed with songs that I composed in Arabic, though, although nobody understood what I was singing about, but they kind of accepted me according to that because they saw that there's a musician here who's, you know writing own music. And so there were with the fact that I was their first Arab, came a lot of expectations. So for a while, I felt like they had expected me to do certain things. like maybe they expected me to kind of, um merge jazz and umkultum together or something and and I wanted to do Pink Floyd, you know <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so they, they didn't know you're where to put me. You're, what... you're ready to like Yeah.
0: Rock and roll while they're thinking, let's create some classical music.
2: Yeah, they didn't know where which category to put me, but eventually and, and in the beginning it did hurt the creativity. You're totally true by saying that. It is very correct learning a, a learning process is is always does that always does that you right. you come there very creative a lot of a lot of ideas and then you start studying the basics yep. and you're so into studying the basics and make and doing your best at the basics that you kind of yep. you lose the creativity for a while but then yep. it comes back when you when you master the new skills then everything comes back into place but it was frustrating for a while Because I felt like I had lost whatever was unique in me, right? And I was like trying to become something else. What am I, a jazz musician? I'm not going to
1: become a
0: jazz musician, right? It's interesting because I worked with a band, I managed bands for 17 years. And the artists I had would go through different drummers. And whenever a drummer came from the Berklee School of Music, they were the most perfect metronome drummer ever. Like they were perfect, but then if you're like, let's jam at the end of this song, they had no idea what you're talking. They're like, we cannot jam and just do something wild and crazy. Like it has to be precise. And it's almost like they need to be worked out of that mentality. And only after like a few years, they get out of the mentality of, okay, we need to be perfect on everything. Cause that's music. Music doesn't, you don't want it to be necessarily perfect all the time. You want it to be sort of feel and passion and creative.
2: Yes, when you work so hard on your your technique, you tend to forget about that. Yeah, it, it, it's natural. And then, of course, it took me—I uh, think—even a couple of years after I finished school—to feel that I got myself back. You know, that that yeah. I'm creative again and I'm doing my own thing again, and not yeah. trying to to do what that teacher said or that teacher said. Or.
1: Yeah,
2: it's 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 confusing. But any learning curve is yeah. any. Learning is confusing because you think you know something and then you don't and then you do and then you usually forget to respect the the process. Uh, People in general, I think we forget that everything takes a process, that there's a process to everything and we need to respect the process, but we're impatient. We want to be already at the end of the process and there's no way of cutting the process.
0: A hundred percent. And, you know, I guess a lot of also the stuff that you do learn in the school, while it may hinder some sort of creativity, you go back and then as you go throughout your career, those little things that you picked up from there are extremely helpful. Oh, yes. Also, was it weird? A lot of people at that age were probably going to the IDF and you went into school. So were you also younger than most people at Ramon? Uh, so
2: instead of going to the army, I did two years of university before Ramon. <laughs> okay. I call it my army service yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of I, I was I wasn't sure about going to study music so I kind of went to something in the middle to kind of please my parents yeah but still be in the arts so I studied uh, fine arts in uh, Haifa University for two years yeah. and after two years or year and a half something I decided to drop out and to go for the music Um uh, because I, I understood that the music is where I wanna be and that's where I wanna put my stamp, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, fine arts are beautiful. I love arts, I do them until today. I love drawing, I I, um, I work with ceramics, I, I love compositions. It's in me as well, but I felt that music was where I had something to say.
0: And then when did you meet Noah? How did that come about?
2: In the year 2000, I had, I had done a few things, but more in theater. Ah, it was funny in the beginning when you kind of uh, said all the things that I am. You said actress, da 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 You didn't say singer. It was funny.
0: Uh, oh, I, I, I skipped singer? I, oh my, I, that was but, number one.
2: But it's fine. It's fine because for a long time in Israel, nobody knew that I was a singer because <laughs> I of. I kind of popped into uh, the mainstream as an actress. I did Arab Labor, which is a TV series, and I did uh, My Fair Lady, as you said. Of course, I could sing, but people like uh, treated me as an actress. Uh, so at that time, How 2000, did that I was,
0: come about, though, doing an acting thing? So you went for An from, accident. Yeah.
2: <laughs> a good accident. A good
0: accident, apparently, yes.
2: Yes, I love acting. I enjoyed it very much. I'm, I'm doing less and less of it today. I mean, today, if uh, to leave everything and go and act in something, it has to be really super special. Yeah. Because music is my thing, but but I love acting. I think it's another playground. It's a crazy, awesome playground, and yeah. I'm, as I said, a child wanting to play. Yeah. Um. So I, I kind of accidentally uh got into this musical in arabic a friend of mine had uh, composed this full book of poetry and the book it uh, was called i remember by shakib joshan and it was about uh the expulsion of arabs in 48 from their villages and then their return okay when uh, while establishing the state of israel yeah so it was like this memoir, this memoir, but very much from this little town point of view—not political, nothing, just about their little lives—and yeah. and then how how they were kicked out, and then how they came back. So it was very hopeful at the at the end that they came back. Anyway, this guy composed the whole thing to music, and he he's, he came to me. We know each other from like childhood, just from my village. Nabil Azar his name was and he said okay Mira I need you in this because I don't have too many singers you know female singers around and I told him what do you want from me I'm not an actress I I can't do No, no no you'll just stand there and sing right this is what he said what he said but then I had monologues and scenes and whatever and I loved every minute of it and 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 some a lot of people from the Hebrew speaking theater business came to see that because it was, it was in the headlines, although it was in Arabic. And they kind of started spotting me and they started calling me to other auditions, like off, you know, off Broadway stuff. Right. So I started doing more and more productions, like off Broadway stuff, like fringe stuff. And from there I did a show in the Ako theater festival that got a really 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 amazing reviews yeah. and that put me like you know in the front and uh, i I, re- and I, stayed, I really started getting like really great auditions which brought me my fair lady which was a super huge deal uh, in 2000 big production main role eliza doodle so i was doing that and, and then a, I w- so
0: at this point did you get an agent did and did you start taking yes. classes or yes. were you just going on natural talent and
2: oh the talent was yeah i mean i started taking classes to help me I, I, when i did my fair lady i took some classes some singing classes because first of all i wanted to enlarge my uh, range and i did yeah in 3 months i 2 months i enlarged it by a quinta that's a lot right
1: wow. like,
2: that's a lot and so I worked hard on my voice because I wanted to, to, to get that musical sound, which, you know, I, I didn't have yeah. that musical timbre thing. Um, so I worked really hard with, with, with a teacher for that period of time.
0: Because theater, very doing some theater, it's a very different way of singing than it is when you do your own music. I Especially mean, you're
2: musical singing. theater, of course. Yeah. It has, it's a style of its own. It's, it's, it's a thing.
1: Yeah. And
2: yeah, so I worked hard to kind of um, step up. To that, yeah. it was a it was a wonderful experience. But to keep the story short, anyway, I was I, I was you know being interviewed on, on TV. Uh, Ya'ir Lapid, he used to have a TV show once. <laughs> Ya'ir Lapid, the
1: politician, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, he used to have a TV show, a big, uh, big, uh, huge TV show, and I was on that show, speak, talking about my fair lady and Gil Dor, uh, partner.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, in music. Uh, he saw me on that show and he called a the Hinom. They were looking for a, an Arabic speaking uh, singer to do a duet with. And he saw me on TV and he called her and he said, listen, I found your girl. And she asked him, how does she sing? And he told her, I don't know, because she didn't sing on the show. Yeah. She calls me the next day. I'm in the supermarket pushing my cart. And I get a phone call with this, like somebody who sounds like a little girl saying, "Hi, Mia. I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I don't know if you know me, but this is Achinoam Nini," and I start laughing. Yeah. And she says, "Like what?" It's like, "Who doesn't know you?" Like, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> well, she was a,
0: because I'm from America, so she was already a big deal at that point.
2: Oh, for years and years, she's a big deal since the '80s. Uh, like,
0: so what you are you the talking about? Her was something like
2: one of the F- stars two. of israel right yeah. you know <laughs> and she's like i don't know if you know me are you kidding me yeah like being humble is one thing but this is like <laughs> wow. anyway we we, did, we made a date to she told me that they're looking for a partner somebody to do a duet with and i was like happy that she called me and she said can we meet uh so we can try things out and they came to my apartment my tel aviv apartment and it was just love from first sight. We sang the song we did, the first duet we ever did together was "We Can Work It Out," the Beatles song.
1: Nice.
0: And we
2: did that. We did that on the spot in my living room, because you know it's the Beatles who doesn't know the song. I mean, we, you know, we just,
0: will start with one of the greatest songs, you know. Written. Yeah,
2: and and we just did it, band, and, right? and we already had like two vocals, and like everything was like. <laughs> in place yeah. look at each other she's go she goes like okay see you in amsterdam to record you know because <laughs> she was recording in yeah. that's the beginning of the, of the whole so did you
0: go to amsterdam
2: yes we recorded enough Amst- a place near amsterdam don't ask me how it's called i never yeah. knew how to say it even back then but somewhere out it was the um, she worked with universal back then it was studios for that, that belonged to universal music and it was a great uh, so 20 20 years
0: wow and then how did the two of you decide to do eurovision and famously you were the first palestinian to represent israel at eurovision right how did the two of you decide all right we're working on this music we're collaborating we're like this great duo and let's you know enter the the biggest singing competition in the world
2: yeah so I, as we said like we, we were working together already, performing all over. We recorded a second duet for my album called Award. So we had already like doing stuff together. And then in 2009, actually, Achinam got offered to go to Eurovision. They called Achinam Nini and asked her to represent Israel in the Eurovision.
0: And so not even audition. She, they just said, we want you No, no, to- no.
2: Yeah, it was one of those years where they just decided. and Yeah. And she actually did not want to. And then she thought a minute and said, you know what? Uh, I might do it if I go together with Miran. Yeah. And then we bring our own message. We write our own song. Wow. That's the thing. So if so we go together.
0: way. So there must be another way was written by the two of you. Yeah. Which is, three I mean, Real Vision almost never has that. At least, I mean, most yeah. artists, it's always there's some sort of writing team behind right. them, some sort of production. Right.
2: For us, in order for it to be a continuation of what we're doing and not just another phase altogether uh, it had to it had to come from us it had to for both of us and then she called me of course and i was like do you know what your vision is do you know what we're you're getting yourself into it's like it's nothing like we've ever done it's nothing like anything we've ever done it's a whole total other platform other it's a, it's another Planet. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, almost like two hundred million people tune in to watch Eurovision. It's bigger than not only people.
2: that. Not only that. It's the style of things. It's a yeah. big
0: show. It's, it's insane. Piece. How was it? What was the experience like when you guys did it?
2: Well, unfortunately, there was a, a complexity going along with our uh, Eurovision entry, and that is that it unfortunately coincided with the operation on Gaza, cast led. So what happened is we agreed, we agreed to do this together and write the songs and everything. And we started working. Of course, it wasn't announced yet, you know, just uh, close the deal and start working. And they were supposed to announce it at some point, you know, it was a PR thing. Um, so we started working and then cast lead operations started and people started dying on tv you know or watching as the world is tumbling around us it was a very very difficult for me and to, to be watching this to, to to be in that time and to try and prepare to for a pop contest right yeah and then something i don't know why the timing was just wrong but they did it they announced The fact that Achinom Nini and Mirawad Awad are going to represent Israel in the next Eurovision. Maybe they had to, I don't know. The timing was off, but they did it and the announcement goes into the media. And sorry for my French, but shit hit the fan. So a lot of people in Israel, they didn't even know that we were working together because we had performed mostly around the world. So a lot of people thought, I mean logically they thought that the iba the 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 broadcasting committee here kind of put us together yeah right as a pr stunt wow right so,
0: to so kind there of was a lot of backlash obviously Ooh,
2: from, wow, 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 from, the
0: Arab from all
2: sides from, from all both sides.
0: sides yeah from so both the
2: israelis sides. the israelis did not uh, appreciate the fact that a leftist Palestinian woman is going to represent yeah. Israel at the time that the Hamas is attacking, right? Yep. And uh, and the Palestinians really did not appreciate the fact that a Palestinian one of their own is going to represent Israel, the country yeah. that is bombing them in Gaza. Yeah. You can imagine the shitstorm that happened.
0: So from both sides, heavily pressuring you not to perform, I'm assuming.
2: Exactly. And there was a, a big petition by left-wing intellectuals, both Arab and Jewish, uh, that came into onto the web asking me to step down, be, accusing me of giving the green lights for the bombs that are killing the children of Gaza. Yeah. You can imagine how bad and how 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 awful that made me feel and, and how complex exactly and how complicated the situation is
1: yeah
2: my parents were really stressed out because i got threats of course naturally it comes with the with the territory so they were actually worried that somebody's gonna just shoot me off some stage yeah. or something they were really scared and they were actually um they started to convince me to really to step down and just Stay safe. Like, get away from it. Yeah. You know, we don't need this. You I mean, don't need it. Not, and
0: for for a lot of parents, why are you going to do the singing competition when this is all happening?
2: Yeah, well, exactly.
0: So, did, was there ever a point where you thought, you know, maybe I'm not going to do this, or were you pretty resolute? And I'm sure the two of you, it was probably like leaning on each other, like, let's do yeah. this together and make. Honestly, it's what people, to be honest, while that's what the stress you're going under is insane, and most people can't, you know hold up to that sort of thing. It's almost the exact message that was needed at that time was like, let's a a Palestinian and a Jewish Israeli, let's get together and show that we can unite. And there is some sort of hope.
2: Not only that, the song eventually said, you know, there must be another way for us to live here. Right. There must be. And when I, when I cry, I cry for both of us. Yeah. This is what we said. We didn't go and sing like a Shanti bhanty peace-loving yeah, yeah, yeah. song. No, we were talking about the problems. Yeah. So we were addressing the situation and begging for, uh, for another approach, for something, for, for a, change, yeah. a change. To find the change, to live here together. We have no other options. But, yes, we had a lot of debates. We cried on each other's shoulders for a long time before we before each of us individually decided her decision to go forth and together right because we each separately have careers and and we have we had to think about those and then the yeah. duo eventually we decided to go ahead with it, I think each for different reasons, but who cares yeah uh, I went along I went ahead with it um First of all, because I felt that if I step down and I don't take the stage, then I will go silently into the horizon and nobody will hear the story. Yeah. And I want to tell the story. I want to tell the story about this complexity itself, this complex story about these people who are trying to lead lives in this little place. And this is what's happening to them. So I cannot. Tell that story from off stage. I need to be on stage.
0: Yeah. Second of all. on one of the biggest platforms there, there were. Did you guys, that's get, it. were there a lot of people that, and artists is all about, I think, affecting change and positive change in the world. I mean, that's what art can do. And it has the power to do that. And you were gonna be on one of the biggest stages to do that. Exactly. Did, were, did you get a lot of questions about that when you guys were yes. at the Eurovision contest?
2: Yes. First of all, we had crazy media coverage. Yeah. And because both of us I mean all the questions were political by the way. Yeah. Almost no one asked us about the music. When one uh, when one reporter asked us something about the music, we would like dance from joy. <laughs> because yeah. all the questions were political, but luckily we are both very coherent people and we're not f- afraid. Yeah. Uh to be put in those corners, uh, I, I always say, like, I, I cannot be put in a corner because I don't have a corner. I'm a round shape, so <laughs> you can't put me in a corner. Because yeah. everything is the truth with me. You'll never get a persona that says this while I'm thinking something else. No, it's all out there. Everything. So you can't put me in a corner. And luckily, we both were like this. We not. We were not afraid. And it did an amazing thing. And then for two years after that, we were performing, right, around the world because of that message.
0: Yeah. And what And through your, what did you guys end up finishing in that? Did it affect the voting in any way, do you think?
2: I, uh, you know what, Ari? I seriously don't understand your vision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it works. Yeah. Uh, we were only concerned with, with one thing. Doing your thing to get to the final, yeah. to get to the final, do yeah. our song when everybody's watching and yeah. go home. Uh, we did not think we would win when we did yeah. not. We did not win. We came, I think, to, to place number 16. Sixteen. Yeah. That, I, uh, that was good that's enough, great. really. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. We did not Especially with a and-
0: song that has such deep meaning to it. I mean, Eurovision, Stanford. for the most part, is like very fluff, sort of happy songs.
2: Yes yes with a lot of show around them
0: yeah
2: and beautiful people dancing or whatever yeah and we were like about really a a, a message which <laughs> yeah. is rare it, it it's not that it never happened in eurovision it happened many times but it's rare yeah.
1: um
2: and and again the song is remembered as a as that today when eurovision fans talk about this song it's one of the songs that they talk about that came up with a message an important message and that's yeah. why they love it
0: Wow. So, I mean, so Eurovision, the economy around the world was, I think it was 2008, 2009 was tanking. And then you have Eurovision. So no stress at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No stress.
0: So then after that, all right, then you started releasing your own solo albums, right? So... The
2: first first was in 2009.
0: Exactly. So there was, and I'm going to butcher the name, Balhawan, acrobat? Balhawan. Balhawan. Balhawan, And that was produced by an Israeli guitarist. Yes. And then you did a, an album, what, with Sony Spain? And then yeah. you did uh, one called Write Down, which was uh, a soundtrack composed from a documentary film about a Palestinian poet. I mean, that's such an eclectic sort of mix of three <laughs> albums right there. Um, what makes you decide what collaborators to use? I and mean, I guess it's your your background in world mm-hmm. and your world sort of background in music, but... I mean, what draws you to a certain producer or a certain uh, like I'm going to do this on this album?
2: Yeah. So my first album, I actually really worked hard to convince Amos Everhadani to do it with me. It took me nine years to make that album. I wow. was just a kid. I was like starting out and I decided that I have to do my album. And uh, and it took some time to uh, convince him yeah. to to do it with me, to to, to produce it for me. Uh, so that was really my choice. The second album was a totally different story. Uh, and the second album, so I did Bahlawan, Acrobat. And of course, m- my mind was set to find a big label uh, to be signed. You know, that was the dream yeah. back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Today, the dreams are different. But back then, these were the dreams of the Well, of there was artist. no
0: Spotify. There was no Apple Music. There was no SoundCloud. Like, to get it yes. heard... It was old school record store days. Essentially, I mean, there was there was some streaming, but it was even then you really needed to be with the label.
2: Yes, so that was my big dream, and I worked hard to get there. And I and then we got this crazy deal uh, with Sony Spain for three albums uh, production, not to just distribution. You know, it was like a big deal. It was really the the starting of the shift of the business. It had started to change, but I still got that deal, and I, I was ecstatic about it. I was like, I couldn't believe I could do that. And then I started working on my first album. Now, the, the musical producer there was given to me by Sony. Okay. So it wasn't a choice that I made. I did not know Carmen Jean before. Uh, we were match made, you know, by the label.
1: Yeah.
2: And it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy uh, exper- experience for me uh yeah. working there unfortunately so uh, after that first album i i did not want to continue my contract i did not want to do two other albums in that same kind of difficult experience where where they signed me as, as yeah. one thing but then they want to turn me into another thing and the it's standard, not the
0: standard label story right it's like yes they love what you they do. know they find you and then they want to try and change you yes. into something different
2: and then you you can't really right? You can't really reinvent someone unless they're 16. Maybe yeah. when they're 16 and they still don't have a persona, they still don't have a history. And if you're a
0: pop artist, right? Like yes. if you're a straight yeah. pop and you have someone writing your music and songs for you. But if exactly. you're an artist that writes your music and it's real heartfelt music, that's not something that you can just manufacture something around.
2: No, you can't. You can't because then this artist has to carry it on stage. Yeah. How do you how do you put on a concert when the when the artist is not convinced that this is what what is this right? Yeah.
1: Um,
2: so it didn't work, and then I really wanted out, and I managed, thank God, because you know other stories where people w- did not manage to get out of their yeah. their contracts, which was very lucky for me, and I resumed my work as an independent. So and then the soundtrack happened because I composed music to this. Beautiful documentary about Mahmoud Darwish, the Palestinian poet. And I loved the result so much <laughs> that I told, I worked with Shai Alon, my guitarist. He did the, the production on that one. And I loved it so much that I told him, listen, I'm going to release this. I want to do it. I want to I wanna release this as a, as a CD, right? So let's, let's put it together and I'll, I'll, I'll make the graphics and yalla, uh, release it. And we did, and I'm so happy about that because again, a lot of people enjoy that, 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 uh, that soundtrack. Yeah. A lot of people till today download it from my uh, website and enjoy the whole thing. Um, so I feel like it's another thing on my catalog. It's, it's very different, but very much similar because the songs are very Mira, but of course everything around it is, is, is music that I wrote for a movie. And that's why I love writing score. I love writing score and music for theater because it brings out something different.
1: Yeah. It
2: doesn't bring out me. It brings out the essence of the play or the essence of the movie. It's, it's always, it always takes me to different places. And I love that. I love going to different places. So that's another outlet for me to write music to. I did a lot of theater uh, and music for theater. And it's just unbelievable the experience when you see did,
0: it on stage how did you meet david Broza? because i was you we sort of hinted at the beginning of this panel we we held a panel about the making of the east jerusalem west jerusalem documentary yeah. um how did you meet him and what was your experience like making that
2: so first of all i i, I admire david since i grew up on david
0: right
2: yeah. i'm one i'm one of those who can say that i grew up on david's music yeah that album the and it was like it was all hits when I
0: was growing up. Yeah, I remember um, when I I lived in Israel for one year. Someone gave me this album, and I loved. I was into hip hop back then. All I would listen ah, to was hip hop, and it was like Tupac and you know Notorious big. And someone handed me the Live at Masada album with yeah. this guy like with, with this crazy Spanish guitar on it.
1: And I'm like, <laughs> what is this?
0: <laughs> and You're right. I literally listened to that album like that whole year. And absolutely fell in love with like him and his music. So yeah, he's yeah. certainly you know an, also a legendary artist out of Israel.
2: Yes, he is. So how I met him? I did. I was an actress in in the Camrya Theater for uh, for some for some good number of years. Um, that's after Eurovision, even or before? No, before before Eurovision. Um, uh, and I did this musical uh, uh, that Alon Olaarchi composed. I don't know if you know him; he's also an Israeli a musician, very well yeah. known. And he composed the music to that. I was the the, the lead role, and um, David came to see as a friend of Alon, Alon Yeah. And uh, after the show, so I played a girl called Orit, right? Yeah. And she, uh, wearing uh, the IDF. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: uniform
2: <laughs> Uniform, yes <laughs> K- yeah. Khaki colored uh, IDF uniform so you played
0: an IDF soldier And then you yes. also played an Arab labor. You played like a human rights lawyer, right?
2: Palestinian, of course Yeah, yeah, yeah So I was playing this soldier elite In yeah. this musical and when it finished, uh, David stayed, you know, behind to say hi to the actors, to his friends, and, and then he met me and said, you did a wonderful job. What's your name again? I say, "Mira." I say, "Mira, what? Like, what's your second name? I Say, Awad. He goes, like, well, uh, what? He's like, "Mira Awad. Like, what is that? Is that Arabic? I'm like, yeah. You're Arab? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was in shock. Yeah. What? You just played a soldier and the idea. Was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the role. What? Well, he was like, wait, he went crazy and that's it. It started, we started like, that's where it started. Yeah. And then years later, he um, invited me to do something together. I can't remember what was the first thing we performed together. And then again, uh, when he wanted to, to record Ramallah Tel Aviv for the East Jerusalem West Jerusalem, he called. Because the whole project was uh, bringing these Palestinian artists and Jewish artists together in the studio in East Jerusalem and to to do music together. So he called and he said, uh, I would like to do this song with you. I was in New York. So I dropped by uh, his house in New York and we did the song. Just in 10 minutes, uh, he sang the song and I just did vocal like the, the second voice on the spot and he said hey let's let's do it like that <laughs> then you know
1: yeah. like
2: with two vocals the whole way not like alternating or whatever yeah and that's it next thing we we uh, we recorded it and and we started performing with these songs and around the movie and around the screenings of the movie together did a lot of panels are uh, talking about the process and stuff and i, I just love david david yeah. is an un is he's an endless battery of energy it's unbelievable
0: yeah and Life he has is endless for trying to bring people together through music yeah. which yeah, yeah. like on your new song thinking of others um, the solidarity song it's the yes. similar thing w- what was your thinking that I mean you had Arab and Jewish so people that know, don't know so should certainly go check it on on YouTube thinking of others by Mira Awad um, think of others yeah think of, think of mm-hmm. others um, and it's got Arab and Jewish artists and even a cameo from Peter Yarrow from Peter Paul and Mary how did you link up with Peter
2: yeah with Peter also I got invited to sing with him in in a in a show that he did here in Jerusalem years ago and of course I answered the call because I grew up again on, the, on on Peter Paul and Mary I mean one of the first songs I ever sang as that 9 year old kid was mm. we shall overcome wow. so like they're in my they're in my childhood so when yeah. someone an agent whatever called me and said Peter Yarrow is at the country do you know who that is I'm like what <laughs> of course I know. <laughs> and I ran there and I did the show with him and we became friends. But Think of Others is a song, again, by Mahmoud Darwish, the Palestinian poet I just told you about. And yeah. I encountered that text and I knew that I had to put it to music and it happened really quickly that I put it to music. And then I released the song in Arabic. And, and it became like... There are songs that become an anthem, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: I didn't know, I didn't know that this song would catch, but it did. And in all my concerts where I sing it, I sing it in every concert now. I started incorporating Hebrew and English in the song. And then one day I told I said to Noah,
1: Noah,
2: do you feel like doing maybe a translation of this? And she jumped on the idea. She totally was into it, and she did yeah. this um, the amazing translation into English, which sounds like the song was originally written in English. Yeah, and we started doing it in the in in our concerts together. But then I said I want to record this, the second version, you know, the English version. But yeah. I want to make it bigger than me and you. And I and then I had the idea of bringing as many uh, singers onto it. Uh, Just as that message, you know, that we're thinking of others, of each other. (laughs) Uh, uh, So so that was the sentiment behind it. I just felt that this is a song that has to be sung by both um, people, by a lot of voices. And then we opened it up for rap in Arabic and spoken word in Hebrew. Um, uh, And it, it really became a gem. Me. And, is that,
0: and is the theme of this album some, surrounding that? Or what's the theme of the new album?
2: So yeah, yeah, as I said, the album is a double album. One of the parts is called Human. Yeah. Uh, and the other is called Woman. So Human <laughs> deals with human emotions, with human solidarity. Uh, and Think of Others is one of the songs on that. Uh, on that and of course uh, all the song all the other songs have to do with these issues of human solidarity and and how i feel about that as well and about also human atrocities so there's a song called insan human which i wrote about what's going on in syria we we managed to forget that it's still going on it's true it's true, right? But it's still going on.
0: Yes. I and mean, especially with corona, that's all the news. And also yeah. obviously certain countries like America has been sidetracked by our president where they don't talk about anything <laughs> but that. And it's amazing how news yeah. real news stories of like what's going on in Afghanistan and Syria and other exactly. places all just fall to exactly. the wayside.
2: So it's it's also about human atrocities and how we can how the world just keeps spinning and our lives keeps going on while these atrocities are happening. Just, I mean, to you, it's really far. To me, it's next door. It's crazy. These people are dying next door, like by the thousands. I'm like, I'm appalled by it every time I think about it. So that's human. Now the other part is called woman. And woman deals with my narrative as a woman, uh, my feelings as a woman and about woman empowerment. So there are songs there that come from really the deepest place in my heart, of rage even, against what is still going on with women around the world. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not only talking about third world, okay, where we know that women are not
0: are not equal and are are treated
2: as property. I'm even talking about the Western world.
0: Yeah, I mean America still hasn't had a female president.
2: I want little girls to never. Never feel less than a little boy. I want little girls not to feel that their clothes and their bodies are being judged from the age of 11. Yeah. What is that about?
0: And have to aspire to some sort of look that's put out there. For example. Especially these days with Instagram and, and, you know, Snapchat Where it's very visual, and you have these influencers and celebrities posting and this glamorous shots, and I think it's both like what they, like what you're supposed to trying to look like, which is ridiculous, and it's also when it comes down to money, it's you have to if if you don't aren't the richest person in the world on a yacht, like does your life suck, right? It's it's, right. Social media can be a great thing, but it can also be a very difficult thing for many people. It's a
2: very stressful life. I think that the youth youth today lives a very stressful life of comparison always comparing themselves to other people who are always looking very happy and joyful yeah right and you're sitting at home and you're not very happy right now but you're looking at instagram and you think that everybody's so happy everybody's
0: ecstatic
2: at this moment
0: and it's a fake highlight reel sometimes right it's like people are posting you know, these glamorous lifestyles and the highlight reel of their lives, but nothing of the real, you know, stuff that's really going on.
1: Exactly. So, so it's it, not it real. It's,
2: it's like a commercial.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And
2: wow. it's very stressful because these kids really, I heard, I heard a psychologist talk about uh, Instagram depression. It's a real thing.
0: I'm I'm sure. I I'm, I'm <laughs> guarantee for young people, it's got to be extremely stressful. Now that we're sort of coming out of the Corona to bring this conversation full circle, what are the plans now when are you thinking of starting to start releasing well
2: stuff? i i want to start in june it's just that i need to get some financial stuff in order yeah but i want to start uh, in june i have a, a song lined up that i think would be perfect for coming out of corona it's called moment out of time and it's actually uh, one of the few songs in english in the album uh, and the song is about just living the moment seriously, just living the moment, not thinking of too many meanings and too too much uh, significance, just being in that moment, loving that moment yeah. and I wrote it wa- a while ago, but now, during this corona time, i wow, I kind of relived yeah. relived the idea of it because we have nothing else in this life, really we yeah. We have these plans, and we think we're doing things, but eventually, what else do you have other than your exact moment and your exact surrounding? That's it, and I think Corona emphasized that for everyone.
0: And when you so when you write when you writing songs what makes you decide to do one in English or in Arabic or Hebrew or Bulgarian? <laughs> it just happens. Is it, it just, just exactly is it just happen or are you thinking of a certain yeah. market like I want to put this album out in you know in Europe and America yeah. or, or is it yeah. just whatever comes to you?
2: No, I I know I never work out of for, of a plan. Maybe maybe that's why I'm not commercial. I could have been more commercial if I had worked out of a plan, you know, like working. Okay, I have this idea for an album and now I'm going to fit stuff in. No, I work the opposite. For example, I wrote and composed and recorded many more songs than what eventually are in the albums. Yeah. But I eventually sifted through stuff and kind of worked out the narrative of it. Uh, So I worked a lot more. I made a lot more. Are they gonna wait for that turn or not? Or who knows? Right, so much. Yeah. Um, but eventually, a song like this song, okay, a moment out of time. It just happened. It's just like in a moment out of time, in a place out of space. Moment out of time, place out of space. Now I can think. Okay, let's translate it into Arabic. Or what? You can't translate that sentence. In a moment out of time, in a space out of sp- in a place out of space. There's no translation. It's not gonna work. So I just. Go with it. Love it. Um, and the same when I write in Arabic, there are phrases that you just really cannot translate. It's just the the the, the uh, play around with words sometimes, or to like is one of the songs that I released. It's about leadership. So the translation, the literal translation would be leadership ostriches. <laughs>
0: which doesn't work <laughs>
2: no but if i tell you if i yeah. kind of translate it differently i say leadership and sheep
0: yeah so, so you understand yeah.
2: what i'm talking about okay. nothing yeah.
0: more no, no no but i, I now it still so, doesn't so, you, so well so but yeah
2: exactly it's, things don't really translate and and, zahmat, na'amat rhymes.
1: Yeah. Zahmat, and na'amat.
2: it's a rhyme so i use it a lot so zahmat, Na'amat and there i'm talking about leadership that is taking us to bad places and about people who like ostriches hide their heads in the exactly. sand right leaders and so,
0: followers are people that just yes
2: leaders and followers but followers like sheep yeah um so so in arabic it works perfectly na'amat it's like yeah. i change one letter and it suddenly becomes this other word now go and translate it into other you can't it's just just in Arabic you have Do to you face. still
0: get do you still get hate from the both sides from the Palestinian and the Israeli side or is it now like don't mess with me I did your revision I've done this they know not to mess with you
2: There are always going to be the haters. Yeah. I mean, always. There are always haters and always people who do yeah. not agree. Yeah. Uh, but I am stronger now. Yeah. I am stronger. I'm a stronger person. I know myself better uh, I know who I am what I am I know what I stand for and what I stand for is not going to please everyone yeah but maybe also the age brings you the satisfaction of, of not having to please everyone
0: and, and you don't try to please everyone because no it's impossible and also it, actually it makes your art bad if, as in terms of an artist <laughs> if you try to please everybody with your art you're probably no. not going to make something great
2: Yes. And no, I I don't have the energy, nor the time to try to please everyone. I do my thing. My thing brings me a lot of joy and my thing has brought me a beautiful career that I'm so, so proud of. And you know what? The measurement of success, I don't know. It depends how you measure success. Yeah. I measure it. I measure my career as very successful. I've brought my message out. In, in in an artistic way that I am proud of and I am complete with, I have never compromised nothing. Yeah. I have never compromised who I am, never compromised my messages. I never compromised the quality of what I do. And when I did, I hated myself. So I never do it again. I never compromise on anything because you have to live with it after that. I love it. Um, so so you know it, it depends how you measure things but I uh, I feel that I've done my thing and I just I know that not everybody's going to love it not everybody's going to buy it not everybody's going to connect to it some uh, some are going to even hate it and some are going to go in through the trouble of letting me know that they hate
0: it <laughs> well, Twitter and Instagram anybody exactly. someone with like, an email profile they're, you know, they're going
2: to type it <laughs>
0: Someone with a, you know, their dog is their profile picture will tell you. And only <laughs> yeah. one name listed will tell you most uh, exactly how they feel. <laughs> exactly. They be, clearly they should be listened to. Um, exactly. i like to end the podcast where I list just five things and you can say whatever comes atop your head. It could be a word that you associate with it. It could be a sentence, whatever it is. A Again. We'll yeah. Start with this. The most influential either artist or album in your, that has had it on your career. Not your own, like, uh, you know. The yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, I don't know if you're gonna like this, but I have to say uh, The Wall for
0: Pink okay. Floyd. Okay. You know, Roger Waters, you know, he's got issues these days, but uh, in terms of Pink Floyd, I mean, the, one of the most interesting you know, You know, you ever.
2: brought this up, you brought this up, but I would have loved to have a conversation with Roger Waters about, uh, about what he's doing. But he thinks that he's doing well. And uh, I I have such a great conversation to have with him if he would only speak to me. Roger Waters, call me.
0: Yes, (laughs) maybe we'll make that happen. Because honestly, I think think what gets lost in people like that to support the boycott movement, and now we're sidetracking a little bit, is the people's voices they should amplify are people like your voices that are trying to use music and the arts to bring people together instead of amplifying people that are just trying to build more divisiveness.
2: Not only that, even I respect Roger Waters and I think what he's trying to do is very right. He wants to stop occupation, he wants to stop injustice, he right? We all agree on that. The problem is, uh you wanna say that? Come to Tel Aviv. Yeah. Come to Tel Aviv, do a big concert in Palkay sell tickets and say it to the people in the crowd and take the chance that they might want their money back. That's courage. Yeah. These are balls. Yeah. Don't sit there in London or wherever it is. I love you, Roger Waters. I love you. I admire work. But don't sit your ass there and tell me what to do with my Palestinianism and my Israelism. Okay? Don't tell me how to act in this complex shithole of a place and a complex situation. You do not teach me what to do and how to act. I am trying to build bridges in order to build the future. And you just want to talk from there. Big talk doesn't help me and you know what this boycott is again I am not here to uh to talk about uh, against the boycott or for Israel or against Israel no that's not my job I'm not the PR person for Israel I have many much criticism myself but but the boycott movement you're you're cutting the conversation yeah I'm trying to work a conversation and you're cutting the conversation deciding for me that i shouldn't have a conversation that's
1: rude
0: yeah and i think that's what it comes down to too is for us is artists want a book to play in israel and they want to come and we encourage them to go there a exactly as you say they can go there and say whatever they want from the stage and that would be great if they want to say f you to the government or whatever they want to say and the second what's thing, on? if they want to go visit, they should go visit because they should go see what's happening and see that it's a complex issue and go see the good and the bad. And I think that's helpful to go see and not trying to bully them not to go see what's happening there. I, I, want
2: Waters, I want Roger Waters to come perform in Tel Aviv and say, end occupation now, from okay. the stage.
0: Yeah. That's Please, you do know, it. Have, have whatever artist it is. You know, NWA back in the day can come saying, F the police. I mean, that's what artists can do, right? Come yeah. deliver your message. We both want to see a peace. We want to see two states. We want to see living peacefully side by side. And uh, I think cutting off the conversation is not going to help that in any regard. All it is is another impediment mm-hmm. to hopefully achieving some sort of peace. Even though what, what he may want as the result may be the same as us, the, the strategy, I think, is just totally... Yes,
2: wrong. and I have to tell you that I believe that there is place for multiple strategies. I do believe that. Yeah. I do believe that you don't attack a problem from one place there is no one solution
1: yeah. there are
2: many 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 solutions and everybody's working from their own uh, corner and eventually somehow it leads to that point it's never led by just one uh segment of yeah. the people it's all 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 the time it was always like this and it always will be like that that's why people are different and bring different opinions This is how yeah. human history has worked until now it will be go on working therefore i, I Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I just yeah. don't like when that opinion means that the other opinion cannot exist.
0: 100%. Well, we're going to try and set that up. I'll, I'll work on getting that meeting together. Um, all right. So oh, man, I'd five, love five that. Five things. All right. So do you prefer falafel or shawarma? <sighs> oh,
2: that's a difficult one. My falafel.
0: Okay. All right. If you could live in any city outside of Israel, what city would you live in?
2: Hmm. Somewhere in Tuscany.
0: Oh, yes, beautiful. What's the best movie or television show you've seen recently that you recommend for other people?
2: Oh God, I can't forgot
0: the name. We okay, I'm gonna them.
2: tell you what it's about.
0: <laughs> about yeah.
2: the five kids who got arrested in Central Park Marvel. and locked.
0: When they see us, I believe it is. Yes, yes. Yes, very powerful. Wow. Wow. Very powerful. You know, we we the composer for that we just had on a panel talking about like sync and licensing music. That was um, I forgot her name, the director Eva Duvare or something. Very that was
2: brilliant. It yeah. enraged me. It 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 enraged me. It touched me. It made me sad. It made me. It made me a lot of things. It was brilliant.
0: Have you ever seen a documentary on a kid named uh, Khalif uh, Browder? No. Okay, I'll see if I can send you a link to watch it. It's also a story that, that is pretty enraging. It was about a kid who was 16 living in um, the Bronx who was arrested for, or accused of stealing a, another kid's backpack. And they put him in prison, but his mom couldn't afford the bail. So he spent three years or something like that in one of the worst prisons in New York and eventually like, came out and committed suicide.
2: I don't think I want to see that, Ali. I'm depressed enough for the
0: world. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get. Jesus, man, yeah. it
2: makes me yeah, crazy.
0: Injustice. These stories. Once again, injustice is everywhere, right? It's amazing. And, uh, it's doesn't matter what country you live in, there is injustice.
2: I just read in the news right now about this guy who got choked to death by a cop. Yeah. In America. Yeah. A black man. Yeah. Uh, the policeman was holding him down with his yeah. knee, and
1: yeah. the
2: guy was saying, "I can't breathe! I can't breathe!" Yeah kidding me i i go insane when i hear these things
0: yeah it's it's absolutely crazy anyhow all right well with that we we, we end on with, on that, that
2: with that
1: optimistic <laughs> <laughs> we
0: we're supposed to end on something happy to watch or see so instead we end on that um anyhow thank you so much thank you um it was an honor speaking to you i'm looking forward to hearing the, the new music when it comes out Thank
2: you very much for having this conversation with me.